There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. So where am I? There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. So where am I? There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Desolation Wales with Dan and Nath. Desolation Radio. Is that, what did I say? Desolation Wales. Uh, take two. What's up, everyone? <laughs> Welcome to Desolation Radio with Dan and Nath. So today we're going to be talking about the Communities First project, which is the Welsh Government's uh, flagship anti-poverty scheme, which has um, very recently been axed. And we're delighted to be joined today by Russell Todd, our friend Russell Todd. So Russell is, um, has been a manager within Communities First, and he's been involved in the project basically since its inception, or, or 2002. It, it was started in 2001, I believe, Russell. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, welcome, Russell. Uh, it's a pleasure. <laughs> an, an honour. A drawn-out introduction there, sorry. Um, it's nice not to have to worry about levels and background noise and the editing. Uh, yeah. Russell is uh, <laughs> that's, that's, a podcast veteran. Um, <laughs> runs, uh, of the podcast wars of 2006. Yeah, runs... Um, Runs two podcasts, two brilliant podcasts. Uh, one is the podcast Peldroid. If you're a, a Welsh football obsessive or, or nerd or, or whatever, then that's you will have heard podcast Peldroid. And the other one is related to, I guess, his working communities first, always interesting communities in general. And it's uh, the, was a community development podcast. It does what it says in the tin. You know, it's about sort of promoting the value of community development as an approach. Um, which is something I'll be talking about and you know sort of sharing the learning connecting those practitioners as well because that that's that's what I am I mean what I do is is, is involved in in sort of workforce learning workforce support to to the community service program or increasingly what's left of it um, but community development is what I do and that's you know first and foremost as a community development practitioner I suppose albeit not as frontline as I have been or maybe would like to return to being I don't know but, you just um, bloody love communities don't you Love Put it. them first. Uh, I, I think. I think Not really. The, I think a lot of the. Yeah. It's just his work. Just his, Just my job. Actually, hate. Actually, hate him in real life. There's, 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 um, there's a concept. There's a, one of the sort of leaders in the sort of community development sort of theory within the UK is a guy called Steve Clark. And he talks about you know the need to feel the burn. Community development workers need to feel the burn. So you're working out in these communities, and they've got to be on your back, telling you this is not right. We want this changed. Sort off. this out. Um, and then you've got to go back to whoever's perhaps is you, you are in, being employed by a local authority, for instance, or a housing association. And you've got to be in there on their backs and you, you basically got to be making yourself um, feel, feeling that burn feeling awkward hating feeling in the community awkward. well not hating in the community but always being kept on your toes um, I, I really because it's affecting affecting change yeah you probably would actually <laughs> um, but that's that's so that's, so that's, so that's, so that's, that's just one of the, the sort of the, the concepts if you like and there's a lot there's a lot of sort of theory around it it's just it's just which I'll, again I'll talk about but it's basically collective action you know it's kind of, we're just talking off mic now I mean it's it's what's always worked within the civil rights movement, within civil rights movement in America, within Ulster, anti-apartheid, um, you know, feminism, CND, all of those things are people collectivizing and, and having essentially a, 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 a greater sort of strength in, in number and a, and a more amplified voice, loosely speaking. Um, my background largely has been doing that within, within the Communities First context. That's a program focusing on the most disadvantaged parts of Wales. Um, Everything always comes back to anarchism, I think, um, which we'll talk about in more detail in, in, in new pod, in other pods. Um, so just we'll quickly go through, you know, what Communities First, you know, is or was, if you haven't heard of it. So Communities First um, started in 2001, and it's the, I guess it's the Welsh Government's targeted and 
anti-poverty sort of agenda. You know, that the, the anti-poverty policy in Wales largely was you know, driven by the Communities First programme, um, which was aimed at tackling deprivation. Um, and so was it, so yeah, from 2001 until now, essentially. Um, and it was established in on a regional basis, wasn't it? It was, um, I've got, you know, some technical stuff. So it was in 142 wards, sub-ward and lower super output areas. Um, and so, and then it evolved into sort of clusters. So basically, communities first areas are essentially the most deprived parts of Wales. Um, and they've had a lot of, um, you know, was it, uh, there was, I think there's 200 and, so since 2001, there was, I think, 242 million spent on it. Um, uh, yeah, no, 432 million has been spent on communities first since 2001. Um, and they were, in the end, they were sort of 52. Well, at the, now there are 52 communities first areas. It's actually an interesting, uh, I read an interesting article about uh, the controversial way that communities first was created in terms of like dividing up the the clusters and de- deciding who was communities first and who wasn't because I mean you, you occasionally get the situation don't you where one part of an estate will be communities first and then over the road is yeah, you know yeah, yeah. communities it, last it, well no but it, it you know so basically one part of the road will get the sort of associated benefits communities first but one of the that falls outside that uh, narrowly defined geographical area would miss out so people necessarily you know anyway but that's a digression so um the point of communities first is it's basically just been axed hasn't it so it's been killed by um the community secretary carl Sargent, who he's ended the end of the program this february february 2017 saying that the performance had been mixed and um, so they've admitted basically um that the communities first scheme had and this is from the bbc website had a near impossible task um and it said that the the Communities First, as a programme, never had the ability to make significant inroads introducing poverty in Wales um, and admitted that, it had, well, they didn't think that it had a significant impact. And obviously, they've been sort of hammered. Um, so, anyway, enough about that. So, Russell, talk us through, I guess, you know, the start of Communities First, you know, what what, what it did. I mean, it, well, I guess, firstly, are they right to axe it? Were they, was it right to get um, rid of it? Carl Sargent spoke in February when he confirmed that, that the programme was going to go at the end of the then following, now current financial year, um, about how, you know, the, since the recession, with welfare reform, um, you know, maybe sort of one or two other issues, it's, it's not necessarily having the impact that it potentially could, um, or the potential that a programme of that nature could. If it's not working and it's not fit for purpose, then it's you know it's it's got to go. It's got to be publicly accountable. I think he was right to draw attention. I mean, fundamentally, absolutely right to draw attention to the fact, in some respects, we were sort of set up to fail. But I dug out as I was looking, and it's, it's dated from it's from the Western Mail. It's from two thousand and three, and it's essentially kind of setting out what community first is going to be because it was it started yeah. in two thousand and one, but it sort of rolled out in a lot of places. And um, and I look back at it, and it's it's. There's a there's a quite a sort of charming sort of naivety about it, frankly, and I think you know you, you, you have to have ideals. And I can remember working in communities, and we were asking them to to set out their vision. What is what do you want this place to be? Whether it's a community, uh, sorry, whether it's an estate or it's a village or it's the top part of the estate versus the bottom part of the estate or whatever. Um, and you have to have those ideals, I suppose, and you have to have those 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 big plans and those big aspirations. Um, so yeah, it was probably naive. 
But I mean, on the one hand, I obviously sympathise, and I, you know, the Welsh government do have a lot of nice, ideal, you know, idealistic people in them. But on the other hand, they spent four hundred thirty-two million, and nothing's been achieved according, you know, by their own measure. So, I mean, the interesting, I mean, the thing is, like, what I, I've been trying to find out. I spoke to my colleague Sean Pierce, who's done work on this, and we were asking, what was the Welsh government's like? You know, the the theory, I guess, behind the community's first approach. You know what? What, I mean, what was it? Was it was it modelled? Was it based on experiences in other countries? I mean, how I mean, how did they decide? You know, obviously it's a noble ideal. We're going to solve poverty in our most you know these stubbornly poor areas, like all which are all deindustrialised areas, pretty much, aren't they? Well, obviously, actually, yeah, you've got you've got a lot of rural well. areas. I mean, we don't necessarily have much of a rural footprint these days. I mean, you know, there was the the. There probably hasn't been it's like a theory of change more recently. I mean, there might, yeah, possibly there has come in at government level, I suppose. You know, there was an awful lot of literature review. People like Dave Adamson, Barbara Castle, you know, were doing um, you know quite a lot of um, you know review of other of other programs. You'd had previous programs. You know, the, Wel- the old Welsh Office had um, schemes targeting sort of like the Ringland Estate, for instance, yeah. and the Markham Village up near near Blackwood, which is an old patch of mine. Um, uh, sustainable communities, people in communities programs. So these communities, these programs have always been around because I suppose what you also have, and I, I suppose it's easy to focus on the South Wales Valleys in this res- respect, is that you know there's always been this demand that uh, or this notion that something must be done. Yeah. Yeah. Now whether that's ever been the right thing or the thing that's worked, you know, is obviously you know people have their views and you know, arguably it haven't worked because we've still got some of the inequalities that we've got. But I think the very key difference with Communities First, which was informed by learning from other programs was that you had to involve them they had to be part and parcel of of of, of that journey of that 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 vision that you're working towards you can't just do it to communities and a lot of those old schemes would be very much given to for example local authorities to deliver things in the way that they've always delivered them and the configuration and the quality of services is actually part of the problem people in people in in disadvantaged areas may even not get certain services, but they talk about this, this, this either poverty premium or this sort of service deficit um, issue where, you know, the quality of the services, you just put up with it because that's kind of what you've always put up with or mm. it's better than nothing. Um, or you don't have the assertiveness or the voice to, to articulate that or the confidence or you're, or, you're, or you're just grappling with poverty because, you know, contrary to kind of like the poverty porn and, and the tabloid portrayal of poverty, um, it's not... I just don't understand why they don't sell all their iPhones. And TVs, simple as that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Huge widescreen TVs as well. Uh, yeah. yeah, bought by for me out of my pocket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, at, at, at rates of interest that just would make your eyes water. You know, I've seen and I've seen the. Yeah, probably not allowed to name names, but I've seen the legal, but unethical. I would argue forms of finance preying on these communities, going door to door with a sales pitch that. That, that you that you fall for illuminated house that one uh, <laughs> <laughs> can't name names can't yeah. name names cottage illuminated cottage oh, yeah. so, uh, and, and others um, oh, sorry, so no I was going to say in terms of the theoretical model that probably was different but we've had stuff and well no no that, that, that communities were going to be at the table so to speak okay um, and that they were going to be there as equals now whether that happens 140 different some of which were very very small areas some were much larger areas whether that happened is clearly going to be a varied experience. And ultimately, it's for the people in those communities to say whether they felt truly and ever that they, they were. But I sat in any number of public meetings and events and, and other ways where people were having their voice and you know, finger pointing at local authorities and at health boards and the police and, and all those sorts of things. 
making their voice. And that's what you do in community development. You advocate for people and you create those kind of environments and those arenas where people can articulate those, those concerns to take collective action at them. It's not all about going, oh, council, just do this and do it better and do more mm. because there is only a finite resource. Um, it's, it's, it may be about the Southern doing some of these things themselves, but setting up organizations, you know, kind of developing that, that community sort of mosaic of community groups. And so we have rugby, t- rugby clubs, football clubs, cricket clubs, parent and toddler groups, resident associations, all around the table articulating what they want to see. But to make some sense of that and to have something that's planned and something that's cogent and coherent that people can buy in, can understand, that other partners can rec- recognise, okay, this is what local people want to achieve, you need community development. To ha- Otherwise, it's just kind of white noise. It's just people randomly ranting about different things. And we've done consultations and I've had stuff where they've wanted um, monster trucks on the valley floor <laughs> on the old miners' site. Yeah. Actually, there might be something in that one, or you know, or like as as an event, or just as a, a as a permanent pop- track on the valley floor, and, and I, I, you know, that's all right, isn't it? Yeah, but you can you can clearly, I mean, that's it's quite easy to see the Welsh government funded that to the tune of like five billion. You can yeah. see them doing it because it's just like a white elephant like that is one of the things they'd be like, right, yeah. definitely, we're going to have a monster uh, park. There's, yeah. there's BMX tracks, there's whatever, you know, skate parks, muggers was the brilliant thing. People, muggers, were, in yeah. multi-use games areas. I mean, there were oh, tons right. of those funded in the early days. Those of, uh, street thugs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> Turn and, into and a theme park. Yeah. I mean, some of those provided some of those quick wins for communities to show, okay, there's a capacity to act, we can achieve results. Um, Dave Adamson did some work by about sort of 2007, eight, I think, um, so I said, in terms of crime and grime, hmm. made some real progress. What's the what idea? They're cleaner. Oh, no. Environmental things, lots yeah. of environmental schemes, dry stone walling, graffiti murals, town squares tarted up, all that sort of stuff, physical renewal stuff. And sometimes you need a bit of that to give a sense of pride, maybe, yeah. um, to address perceived you know, problems, antisocial behaviour, that sort of stuff. And you can design some of that out. You know, that, that was important. It's all been completely stripped out of the programme now, which well, I think it's important when people are talking about communities first. And the media's never got this. I mean, never got it, ever. I can't believe that the Welsh media hasn't grasped Yeah, I know, I know. Um, there's not one homogenous programme that started in 2001 and right, is being okay. wound up at the end of this financial year. And it is in some way the same thing. I mean, it's I mean, completely not. Right, so it has evolved. Mm. So sometimes I think it's help, more helpful to talk communities first. You know, to talk about it in a plural sense. The programme has always continued. There was never a break. Um, and if you look at people elsewhere in the, in the, in the home nations, they, they, they look at communities first and look at Wales with some envy because you've had largely a political consensus behind it. Mm. I mean, I, I, could, I could pinpoint certain things. I mean, yeah. Lib Dems once said something which was completely bonkers about it. And, uh, you know, things like that. Um, Leanne Wood had some issues with it a few years ago. Um, you know, Welsh Conservatives maybe have a few issues about it. But broadly... What, what were those issues? Well, I mean, Andrew R.T. Davis sort of said something and annoyed one of your colleagues, uh, Martin O'Neill, the famous Dr. Strom on Twitter, about how he, he, Community First was just funding these brand new shiny offices. Uh, Trust me, I've been in pretty much every single office. There might be some new offices, but they're not brand. Yeah. And they're not shiny. There are some really grotty offices out there that you're basically sitting on a box and stuff like that. It's it's never been that sort of program. But, you know, it's a, it's an easy it's an easy swipe, isn't it, to take mm. at something like this. Um and, and so, yeah, it, it's, it's uh, I think he went to Murtha as well when he kind of made that point, um, which I think annoyed the people up there, um, to the Gurnos, because you have to go to the Gurnos yeah, to yeah. make these points, obviously. Um, and I think, I, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's, the, the programme has evolved and what we've, what we've lost, I think, is that, that community kind of canvas and that community look at things 
and we've 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 tended to focus more lately on on the individual and getting them into work and so there's a primacy now work is more important than tackling yeah. environmental issues looking at you know crime and disorder um health and well-being is even kind of diluted importance it's that kind of old protestant outlook isn't it like uh, salvation through work it, it? It, it is but i mean it comes back to pretty much every single other pod we've done on welsh government's economic strategy that they live with, i mean it's just the narrative is jobs it doesn't matter what the quality of job is is so they can they just want little headlines don't they they want to say we've got x amount of people back into work doesn't matter if it's temporary low paid anyway um yeah. just going to rewind a sec because i mean it's you know funny you say that we should talk about you know communities first and you know evolving in different phases because mm. i've put together <laughs> now russell has kind of uh, <laughs> you know, provide us with a sort of like a really detailed overview of I guess the different phases of communities first. So I'm just going to basically go through this now to give people an idea of how uh, the, the the project sort of and scheme sort of evolved over time. So you basically said from 2001 2010, it was a community development program which targeted the most deprived wards in Wales, um, and there were di- additional pockets of deprivation in communities of interest and other sort of imaginative proposals in the early stage. And you said example there was uh, it included. A domestic abuse partnership in uh, Neath Talbot, uh, black minority ethnic partnerships in Cardiff and Newport, uh, deep rural partnerships. So communities first basically encompassed these, did it, or did it? Yeah, and I think it? that's. I think that's. We, we sometimes forget about that. It, that's really quite. That is quite imaginative. Yeah, and yeah. So they were also called imag- well, imaginative proposals, as I said. Mm. It recognises that community isn't defined as just place. Yeah. Um, you have communities within communities. You have yeah. communities of identity within spatial yeah. communities, and so on and so forth. None of this is kind of new, but to design a program that is very very consciously aware of that mm. um i think is 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 good and that, yeah. that should be celebrated um it's not like a one-size-fits-all type thing at all not. no absolutely not and so you know the domestic abuse partnership in East portal but i couldn't tell you what the the origins of that was but clearly it was addressing a perceived issue and you could argue that there is a community of interest they may not necessarily identify themselves as that of people um you know experiencing domestic abuse um, there was one around young people, children, young people in in Pembrokeshire, as well. You know, so you had several of these. Clearly, how you address poverty in Butte Town is going to be different to mm-hmm. the Valley's community, different to North Wales Coast community, different therefore to the Oldford Estate on the outskirts of Welshpool, which you know, or um, Penllyn. So you know, the whole of the Llyn Peninsula, more or less, was, um, uh, or at the very end of it, was 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 one of those deep rural partnerships. But it stands to reason that you would do things differently. Yeah, and now. 16 sort of years on from the the, the inception of the program uh, yeah at the time I say it was cutting edge it was kind of like yeah you have to do it differently responding to the experiences and the learning of those other those other programs and we say you know, anything that's talking about community development and is genuinely community development has to have learning at its heart and so to learn from those other programs I think is you know was was a, was a, was a good thing so let's call this one you know for the first phase or whatever um yeah um, so you said it was, a, it was basically a focus on you know, grassroots community action, an emphasis on the effectiveness and values of partnership, including, uh, as you said, other identity groups, things like that. Um, and in this time, so basically the role of communities first was to provide a core resource of staff, a community trust. So this is where the money was spent on, basically. Yeah. A community trust fund, support and advice. Uh, and there were 140 over 140 rather partnerships set up across Wales um, some as small as 300 households um, and the service providers were expected to make efforts to 
bend their programs. I'm assuming that means. Yeah, so. I mean, for well, yeah, and, and, and some people would argue they're still not sure. Um, I think there's there's an important distinction to make between partnership with small p, partnership with a big p. So the 142, I think it was, uh, partnerships with a capital P were entities based on what we had called as a, as a, th- a three-thirds principle. So a third of the makeup of those partnerships needed to be p- local people from the community. As I said, what I said earlier, they have a stake at the table. They're not having these meetings and then told through minutes, this is what's been decided for you sort of thing. That old patriarchal kind of yeah, yeah. local authority um, no, so not elected best. members. Yeah. I know what this is best for this community, sort of thing. Okay, you need to cut through a lot of that, and that was one of the mechanisms. Um, and then you had, you know, the third sector, so local charities, and then the uh, private sector as well, um, and then the public sector. So you needed people from housing, from the local authorities, from highways, social services, the health board, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that was a, that three thirds principle was a, was a only ever a guiding. Some people kind of work to it, you know, too rigidly, yeah. which then means that the, the governance arrangements that then sort of underpin all of that get clunky and people don't want to be in meetings necessarily I mean some people do I think the, the culture of committees is still quite strong in parts of Wales um, and it's easy to kind of say we set up a committee you know it's an yeah. output something's delivered um, but I think partnership with a small p very much a guiding uh, or kind of under underpinning kind of uh, ethos of, of Communities First and probably other programs at the time uh, around the effectiveness of that it was something that is going to generate efficiencies, value for money, shared learning, um, maybe kind of dispersed sort of models, uh, sorry, models of dispersed sort of power, things like that, um, both within and, and across different sectors, the, the efficacy of that. Not so much the case now, actually. And I could, I could, I could drill into that first era of Communities First and, and talk about other kind of, so you had a capacity building phase and, and then it was action planning and things like that. Oh, oh um, could please do, man. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's just this, um, uh, in, in order for people to articulate their views, in order for people to um, feel that they can contribute, they have that confidence, they have that assertiveness to understand how the planning system works, why they can't just have a new clinic yeah. opened up and, and another one down the road and another one over the valley and so on you have to build capacity and so what we'll talk about is that 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 taking time and it requires maybe some formal training you know if the elected member has always chaired every meeting that's ever been held in this committee uh, in this community well, we need to maybe kind of promote other forms of participation so we're gonna have to train you up as a chair nathan yep. in order for two i'm ready fairly ethically non-judgmentally Oh, I'm not things. ready. And yeah, okay. Some people need more training than others. Um, and then they need support. And that's where the support and advice was coming in. So there's an awful lot of support around that to pr- develop that capacity building, to build that up. Um, but capacity building isn't just of community members. Like Nathan is community member. It's, it's, it's the capacity of, I know, people like you, Dan, as a you know, middle manager in housing that needs to recognize that poverty manifests itself in this way that generates all of these unplanned reactive maintenance problems with doors being kicked in or something mm. on your state, yeah? Or all that graffiti. You need to have your capacity built to understand what's actually going on here, yeah? Okay. So, so that capacity one process is absolutely key and you build that in, we don't talk about it anymore. And we haven't for a number of years, which I think is a shame because I can remember working with people, I know, say they retired mid-60s back in 2001, 2, mm. you know, some of them aren't around anymore or, no. you know... So you have to keep generating new blood. Yeah. 
So the capacity building never stops. And I think looking back, that was a thing. We, we kind of created this sense that capacity building happened. It might take two years and brilliant and off we go. Nice and it's then. not, it needs to be a much more iterative process. Is it, is it something that I guess we run on volunteers? Because I guess you said there's people who are over sixties and like um, kind of attract people who are retired. I guess I'm I was gonna not didn't really uh, volunteer with Citizens Advice Bureau. You I went to no, I did, and they're like, yeah, you, in, in but yeah, <laughs> I, so I ordered myself a medal. No, I went down there for two for two days, like, and then I tried to ask work, like, oh, is this something you could you know be flexible with? And you're like, no. So I was like, all right, done. But you know, there's a lot of because I, I thought going down there, there'd be a lot of people who like really wanted to help, but it was just people who were really bored <laughs> and they just went in and like, you know, it was people retired at spare time and went in like one woman was saying like, oh, I, I didn't realize that people on benefits weren't scum. I was like, oh, this must have been quite enlightening for you. Like really. Yeah. Learning has to be at the key of all community development. Yeah. Say. And some of it's kind of like, duh, really basically. Yeah. Everybody has to start somewhere. They're just like me. <laughs> oh, right. I've heard people in those housing departments have that view. It's mad. And, and it? in economic development and social work and, and all those sorts of things. And so you need... And social work. That's quite surprising, isn't it? Because you think they'd be more kind of... Uh, I've heard some stories. I've really? never personally worked with social workers close up in this in this context. Um, because I thought social workers were almost trained to be like... They are trained, aren't they, to be non-judgmental and not to reflect their own experiences to like kind of cloud what they're doing but so for them to just be i guess have prejudices yeah, that no one's no it's impossible to be valued oh yeah it's, it's impossible not to have prejudices but not to the point where it's just like actively seeing these people as lower i was doing some training in a completely different capacity nothing to do with communities first yeah uh, with some job center plus staff in um, newport and someone at the, at the end of the course said um mind you of course really you know some people just don't want to work. I went, no, I mean, I'm one. Yeah, everyone. I'm Same here. Because I want to be here, really. I'm mean, <laughs> nice people, but of course not. Most of us don't want to work. No. But we <laughs> make value judgments about the merits of it. And if Absolutely. people have got a bit more of a choice between, well, choice is the right word, but that the wherewithal to navigate the labor market and yeah, do exactly. something they want to do. And I, you know, 95% of the time love what I do. And that's and that's really rewarding. And I'm lucky. And I, rec- I deeply recognize that. But the notion I'm, I'm doing it because I want to, I think he's. I think he's. He's quite passionate. Yeah. No. Really, nobody gets up and goes to like you know do a twelve-hour um, shift in a factory for like the abstract kind of. Yeah, and some jobs are yeah. absolute crap. Yeah. And if they're the only ones on offer, well, it's making a choice between it's options choice and do that, do nothing, be in poverty on the dole, so to speak, or I can take that dead end job. Or sometimes mm-hmm. they're both at the same time, isn't it? For jobs yeah, low paid. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the quality of work I think is a problem, and I think this is the point. We didn't talk about in-work poverty back in those days. So the things that we're talking about, the problems in communities now, we didn't talk about then, and vice versa. Um, and I think the fact that the program has evolved, well, the fact that the problem is able to evolve is a strength, really, it, to be adaptable, not a rigid program. Whether it evolved in the right ways, I think, is is, is probably up for, up for debate. Um, but yeah, the core resource of staff, that was me, paid my mortgage. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to apologize for that. You know, we were working in communities you know, till, you know, late at night, you know, in meetings, you know, people present themselves on the cusp of, you know, crisis, eviction, um, you know, drugs, mental health episodes, you know, all of that stuff happened. Um, traumas happen individually to families, to, to communities. You know, the, the, the we were talking before we started, you know, the minor strike was still a very real trauma, I would argue still is in some communities, yeah. that was affecting some of those coalfield communities, admittedly. But then the closure of Abervale Steelworks was a trauma that Communities First really can't 
fundamentally address. It can maybe ameliorate or mediate some of that fallout. Um, Plan weren't shut in. I mean, you know, you name all of these things, you know, tourism industry is probably changing this time, you know. You know, the stories of the industrialization of Wales, you've covered them previously. People like, you know, the episode with Calvin that you did. Brilliant to, to kind of conceptualize those, but just kind of explain how it affects communities. So a program of communities first was never going to solve that. And I think we probably were for far, far too naive. And I think it also reflected the early kind of nation building efforts that I think that assembly was trying to do. Because devolution happened by the skin of his teeth. Yeah. So there yeah, had right, to yeah. be something that said, we are yeah. listening to you, people of Gurnos, people of Butte Town, people of Banwen, people of Kaya Park, and so on. Um, well, it's true. I mean, I was reading today, I mean, um, writing an article on you know, political education and, and reading some of the the plans, like high-minded ideals for you know that we had for devolution, particularly like John Osmond in like 1996-1997, and it, reading that was actually excruciating to see how radical some of these proposals were and how mm-hmm. you know how the the high hopes people had for both the assembly in terms of revitalising and rejuvenating Welsh democracy, but also as you said, I mean they were well, clearly communities versus part of this new sort of consensus we're trying to build and we're trying to do something good and radical mm-hmm. in a small country but um yeah but i mean i think those i don't think there's i mean i can see where you come from when you say that it's, it's excruciating but i mean I, you know i've been at a conference today that um an organization called claire's based in manchester uh, i think it's center for local economic strategies and then the building communities trust which is kind of similar to communities first but but a little bit different and a much smaller program in terms of sort of scale and number of areas uh, and chris who runs that was you know was involved in in the support the early days of the program and um, th- they were talking about radical ideas today, you know, talking about things like foundational economy, you know, the, 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 the role of sort of social care within, within generating economic development locally and all these things. It's a complete and total rejection of those neoliberal orthodoxies and the way things have been done, mm. whether it's a conscious adoption of those things by big business, multinationals, or whether it's just that kind of almost... Uh, unchallenged adoption of those things. It almost happens by osmosis that maybe local authorities and social plans, city regions. I mean, a Scottish guy, Neil McEnroy, a great guy worth following on, on, on Twitter. It runs, uh, I think he runs Claire's, um, was talking about, he made the point, you know, he said, I'm not qualified by saying I'm no nationalist, but why is Wales importing English urban metropolitan concepts like Ireland. city regions into a country that's barely urban? Yeah. You know? We've we just know got the space for it, haven't we? You know, um, and you've covered it, and you've covered it. Any time. So, so I would argue there is still those radical ideas. Um, the guy Rob Chapman, I think, is a, is a is a friend of the podcast. You know, regeneration practitioner in Cardiff, Powers Boy originally. And he talks about you know we've got the policies. You've talked about the well-being of future generations that previously. Where's the agency that puts these things into place, but also puts them into place in a way that matters then to you, Nathan, where you live, and to you, Dan, where you live, and to Brenda up in the Gurnos, and that woman raising three kids on her own in Kaya Park, and that farmer in Pentley, and so on and so forth. And that, I think, is the, is, is the challenge. But the amazing thing is, the number of people outside of Wales who look at Wales and kind of go, geez, I wish, I wish we could do some of the stuff we're doing in your country, because you've got the Wellbeing of Future Generations Act, you've got a relatively small government, it's a small country, population is you know, pretty much concentrated in the south you know, with you know a concentration of sorts in northeast Wales, you know, they said it, the conditions are there. Yeah, it should it should be easier. Um, all right, we'll we'll we'll, so, t- we'll go back to um, you, you talked about like capacity building. So I, I want to get a, like a, a feel of 
you go into so let's just take like a an archetypal community or whatever um and we can look at not not necessarily sort of capital spender and things like that but you go in you build capacity in terms of training people up in the community um what are the other phases and what are the other stuff that money was spent on <clears throat> and how is it all allocated you would have you'd have had money back back in those days you'd have put a, a plan together uh, on an annual basis to work towards um or it might be a two or three year plan but with with annual kind of you know milestones attached that would have been around how we go into build capacity so you just set some of those things out and it would have been formal training but it also would have been a lot of informal stuff as well um mentoring support um exchanges so any number of people around wales and wales is really quite parochial let's be honest right, right? Yeah. And, there's, and there's there's a charming aspect to that but i think it's also kind of like a suffocating oh, this is how things have always been done we're never going to change them and it normalizes things yeah. as well um so low aspiration you know well, no one goes to college university no one goes to so these things can sometimes get reinforced so if you can kind of just bring about kind of different perspectives in some of these communities and community development is great at then finding and making those links and animating that kind of space um any number of exchanges you know so um i mean one of the, the great ones i remember in early days was um you know somali women from butte town going to carnarvon you know and vice versa mm. um that's really kind of important they might have poverty affects these people maybe in completely different ways there might be different drivers to it but how they collectivize and how they can take action about that and inspire and support each other to take the respective actions i think is really really key um so there's loads of exchanges like that and visits and all those sorts of things did we go over to england enough no did we go to scotland northern ireland enough no where northern ireland has got particularly unique issues post sectarianism and how they design i mean physically design spaces yeah? Mm, yeah um you know scotland is different again england's a much more metropolitan urban area i very i don't know many people that went to bristol even you know but i think that was i think we we but again i think it's reflected in this nation building wales had to find its solutions mm. and again i can kind of i can kind of get that but i don't think it was necessarily the most kind of enlightened or most kind of learned way of, of going about it but you did a lot of those things and it would have been priming you know oil in the wheels we used to say at the time um and you're not talking sort of huge huge amounts of money here either and there was kind of rules as to how you could spend it and where and so some of those exchanges had to be in wales if you were paying for things like the, the community's first trust fund but the trust fund would have on about you know, three million pound per annum um ran for probably 10 maybe 12 years um was equipping communities as well so it put you know new roofs on community centers it put it suites in it gave laptops to uh, resident associations so they can professionalize how they run their meetings it did stuff around um you know paying for newsletters you know to inform and communicate with with um communities you know the internet was still quite new when this program started you know so then it was like you know websites you know there was no facebook there was no, there was no twitter i mean it's the thing you kind of think yeah. actually you know it, it's been around a long time the longevity i think should be sort of celebrated but um it was funding a lot of that in 140 plus areas you know 19% of the world's population there or thereabouts for the whole lifetime of the program has been covered by a community first area which is not to say that everybody in those community first areas is disadvantaged experiences poverty a lot of people experience poverty in a very sort of transient way um transient's the right word but you know they will drop into poverty and out, yeah. yeah it's rare that people are absolutely destitute you know ad infinitum you know um and actually community's first probably isn't the vehicle to addressing that anyway because the causes of that will be you know housing and you need to be a housing professional to address that or substance abuse or mental health issues or whatever it might be so you know we we were 
we were learning about poverty as well. And I think off the back of Communities First, and this isn't being kind of recognised, it's not being articulated anywhere near well enough. I criticise myself and the others in the workforce for this. What we know about poverty now is so much more and so much better um, than, than, we, than, we, than we knew at those days. Now that, 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 that has to matter because it's still, I was going to swear, it's still you know, a really bad problem in mm. Wales. You know, it's still deeply entrenched. You said stubborn, absolutely the right word. And you have to know what the problem is in order to, to address it. Um, and so we know, and so as I said, we know more about poverty, but the communities themselves know more about the inequalities that they're the victims of. A lot of these people understand issues around, you know, structural issues in the economy, you know, uh, the poverty premium, you know, and they're challenging the way in which their areas are portrayed. So you things like community journalism, which Cardiff Uni, you know, some yeah. brilliant stuff, and it's in Port Talbot, and it's in Bangor and Cardiff, and all those places, and it's communities articulating their own voice, making their own media, which is what you guys are doing as well, and it's filling that space. This would have been a brilliant thing to do with Community First in the early days, to join them all up, you know? Um, yeah, community radio, I suppose, was, was there, but, you know, the internet democratised a lot of that sort of stuff. But that's where this money was going. The notion, like RT, Andrew R.T. Davis was saying, it's gone on offices. Yeah, it did go on some offices because, you know, sometimes I need a computer to bang out the report to Welsh government and this is what I've done for the last quarter. You know, the notion that people are going to do this in a cafe, I think is a little bit, you know, naive uh, and patronising. Um, but community centres, rugby clubs, I mean, uh, dugout. I mean, I could tell you the, the, the things that got funded all about equipping and putting resource into communities. So I, I guess my I guess my question comes is I mean so all that is you know be it capital spend on things like laptops or community centres or offices or things like that um, and building capacity sort of in you know work, I mean I hate to use the term but like in terms of like human capital and like all that rubbish like making basically making people have the skills to run their own community but what i'm curious about is so the money's going in and it's being spent on building you know sort of upskilling the community for one of a better word i hate that i, I can't think of a non sort of no. managerial sort <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> language but um <laughs> but i guess so it's it is that the goal of you know where's the what within that then how is that going to without is employment the goal and how is it going to, you know, that's what, that's what I mean. It's like, it, it, you know, so it's all very well given these communities this, you know, the, the, the money to run their own lives and things like that, but it still doesn't answer what's the overarching strategy of how to lift people out of poverty. I mean, you can, you can give communities the capacity to, you know, you can give people these skills but ultimately, as you said yourself, if they're dealing with like the fallout of deindustrialization yeah. and there are no jobs, what's the strategy? Yeah, currently put them on like a kind of a catering course and. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Well, like, yeah, yeah. I just don't understand. I just don't I fear, I fear it happens though. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. in the early days, I think this is one of the things when you look at this kind of like. So for, for me, I think there's like a threefold classification of the community's firsts, if you like. We're still in year one, so we really need to get a crack on uh, phase one. So we need to get a crack on, I suppose. But I mean, in terms of like. Um, the it, it wasn't community first wasn't plugged into for want of a better way of putting it other strategies and having those those overarching sort of visions it was being talked of as a 10-year program i mean edwina hart at the time who was the minister for it i think was verbally quoted as as 15 and 20 years even which frankly is a recognition that some of these problems are multi-generational they're incredibly deep-seated yeah, yeah. they're entrenched aren't they, yeah. Right? yeah yeah they are 
but they're entrenched and, and, and some people and some interests corporate interests capital interests and you guys can articulate this better than me it suits those capital interests that these places remain mm. yeah definitely. and that these people don't challenge it and those sorts of things yeah, yeah and the agencies the state that then reinforce these things no matter how well intended their their their, their intentions are to to make it better um, but it was never plugged into any of that sort of stuff. And so then the second phase is about kind of going, yeah, capacity building for what purpose? I'll to tell you what right. aim? So Leighton Andrews was then the minister, kind of got hold of it, knocked it into shape a little bit. It became more outcome focused was the phrase. So we didn't just count the number of people who've done on training courses. But I can remember sending in reports kind of going, well, so what? that they, yeah. They've done a minute taking course. And I then sort of said, look, try and find out if we can illustrate the value of these minute taking courses for argument's sake. Is that person going back and is now taking the minutes with the residents association and they're now able to write you know better letters to the local authority <laughs> parks department to sort the dog shit out right mm. i mean i don't know we're still kind of like quite naive and not very outcome focused about it that for me would be a well so what ah they're articulating their voice the challenge in decision making processes or they're asking to be part of those decision making processes or they want to have a say in how resources spent budget is spent resources are allocated sent it in last guy went oh don't know this within 18 months that they wanted lots of that okay fine the capacity had to be built within the civil service that was administering this program as well and 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 that would have come out of that that headline sort of 35 40 million quid a year budget as well the whole program so so that was that was key, and 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 we. This is two thousand. So this is a phase two. We're now, now coming on to the to the cusp of the the second the second sort of phase, which is then we have the first tackling poverty action plan. What are we going to achieve through all of this action? And I think that's when I think to be fair, government starts to get a bit impatient. They kind of go in. We're not yeah. seeing stuff. I need to see stuff. I need to stand up in the Senate and say this is what has changed. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> Carl Sargent spoke about how it's changed a lot of individuals' lives, or it has done. And I could tell you some stuff that will make, you know, literally, you know, you'd have to have a cold stone heart to not, you know, well up at the, 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 the story, you know. Try and feel yeah, the yeah, challenge. challenge. challenge <laughs> Which one cries at the end of films all the time? Uh, well, I, I'm a crier at films for I sure. I cried at the end yeah. of Terminator 2, and kind of the of Sad, no. I was young. Yeah. Good will, good will hunting a cry every time. Did you? Yeah. Every time, man. <laughs> Absolutely. How is that funny? It's the most moving and best film of all time. So. Yeah, but then you know, it's Matt Damon, isn't it? Well, I think it's well. He we went on to he went on to uh, you know excuse uh, Harvey Weinstein. Did he? Yeah, yeah. Him and Ben Affleck. You... <sighs> People always let you down. Your heroes they do. always let they you do. down. They do. They do. Um, oh wait. Um, what about? Uh, Dead Poets Society. That's quite moving. Robin Williams. Yeah. Oh, Captain. See, my Robin Captain. Williams is the key to Good Will Hunting. Go. Yeah, exactly. The isn't relationship that, between Sean yeah. and yeah. as we said, as our movie review, isn't it? Like you know, Good Will Hunting. So Good Will Hunting. We'll just do a little digression, but we've been wanting to review movies. And if you haven't watched Good Will Hunting, Good Will Hunting is about a Soviet agent, um, a comrade called Will, and he is embedded in the American state. This is Ameri- This is cover name is Will, isn't it? He, yeah, his cover name is Will, and real name's Vlad, but. A comrade, Will, the protagonist, he cracks an American nuclear code, which is in written in the wall of MIT, on MIT. And his handler, a comrade, who is played by Robin Williams, is sort of encouraging Will to sell, to take, sell, sorry, to take these codes back to the Soviet Union, where he's going to be lauded as a 
um, a hero of the Soviet Union correctly. Uh, uh, um, can I interject with some trivia? I think Robin Williams' character was based on Kim Philby. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, and then, basically, what happens is that uh, Will, um, comrade uh, hunting, basically gets... He basically gets... Uh, Entrapped by a British agent played by Mini Driver, and um, ends up defecting to the West, and that's the sad. That's why I cry at the end. Yeah. Um, but okay, sorry I digress. So I thought, <coughs> I thought it was of social mobility. No, no, no. Was, and a guy getting out of the ghetto. <laughs> What's interesting, Russell? About you said about like um, maybe you could shed some light on this. So I mean, we talked about. You know, Leighton Andrews before, and you know, I've met Leighton now, and I think he's a an, a nice, very intelligent guy. It's you change your tune, <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting how, as you said, I mean, like in education, Leighton came in, and it was more Leighton Andrews came in, and it was more became more sort of there's more accountability mechanisms coming, and then you said the same was happening yeah. in the first. But I mean, does I mean, has the tone of the Welsh government? I mean, because has has the Welsh government? People that are in charge of all this become, you know, I mean, they are they, are they becoming sort of less ideological. I mean, I guess political context would be 2001. Labour had to be on their toes because they've just lost a, you know, they became you know came very close to lose losing to plight in the 1999 elections. I mean, maybe they've sort of have they stayed? Well, no, actually, because 2000 that's the One Wales Coalition this time. So yeah, um, so I mean. But you notice a change, basically, in their attitudes. Uh, yeah, 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 you do. And uh, Plaid changed its tune. I think I said earlier, it might have been off record, I can't remember now. Um, uh, I think it might have been before we started recording. But, you know, Leanne Wood's very critical. You know, oh, no, the, I think that's was with it was, the show, it was, yeah. It was, uh, from the Ronda, you yeah. know, large swathes of the... Of, of Social worker herself, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think she's from Panagraig. I think I might be right uh, saying. Don't, don't follow her, like. You know, Valley's Kids, big kind of organisation in Panagraig. And, you know, Panagraig was a community's first area. And so we'd have seen it up close. And I think she's she's always been engaged, and clearly, you know, with, with local local issues. Yeah. Um, and the criticism was that it was, um, you know, Labour Jobs for the Boys programme. I mm. always found that rather insulting, frankly. Um, had it personally accused of me when an independent councillor wasn't getting his way. Or the chair of the partnership was was the Labour councillor. Whoever that chair was, I had to work closely with that person. You know, mm-hmm. um, politics didn't come into it. You know, it didn't. You have to try to be a political, which is not in a, in a party partisan sense. The whole notion of what we're trying to address in these communities is deeply fundamentally political. So anyone who kind of goes, oh, we have to be apolitical. Yeah, yeah. I'm completely you know, neutral. <laughs> yeah, um, on this it, subject. It, it, and I suppose there's arguments about how you could ever be truly political anyway. It's probably completely impossible. So, back to the point, the question you asked, ideologically, is it changing? Um, I think there was a sense that it has to, it started having to deliver. What are we actually delivering? What are we going to, what's changing here? Because we've got another index of multiple deprivation, yeah. which drills into those you know, clack, jargon, clacks and alert here, those LSOAs, the lower super output areas, those real kind of micro wards. So you're talking maybe units of about 300 people, let alone households. Nothing's changing. The headline poverty stats aren't changing in Wales. So 
they need to see some action. It needs to be more outcome focused. We need to be much clearer on what the program is trying to achieve in terms of indicators, performance management frameworks, and that kind of thing. And that jars with community development. Let's be perfectly honest about it. Community development has up this game over the years in terms of what, um, how, how you evidence success, yeah. um, how you can evidence change. Um, but you can be making change at a small community neighborhood level you know, but I mean, if you know, if I'm, if I'm working in Sandfields in Port Albert and the steelworks shuts tomorrow, <laughs> capacity building is not going to change exactly. one iota. You know, um, of, of of that impact, it's not going to soften that huge blow. So, um, you know, you have to you have to recognise that there's there's an economic um, sort of element to this that, mm. that you cannot control, that you cannot influence whatsoever. And we 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 really do get that now. We maybe didn't quite get it so much in the early days. Um, but yeah, yep, he made the, the program up its game. I mean, there was some consultation around whether it was going to sort of change quite fundamentally. And communities went, no, no, we think we still need to keep giving this a go, which I think was important. The Welsh government, yeah. I think, arguably listened certainly to a couple of those key elements. But I think it got more and more focused on employment, making employment and being in work uh, more of a, a, a thing to aim for rather than you know, environmental schemes. And that's when you begin to see some of the environmental crime and grime things begin to be relegated to a slightly lesser priority. Um, I can get that. I can get that. If that, if a load of sort of dry stone walling in in town and village centres is all you can show for probably at that point about 150 million quid, (laughs) then, It was a good dry stone wall moment. Yeah. Councillors all got gold teeth and like four finger rings. And not to mention the community first workers, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but I think what, what happened then is you begin to see the emergence then of other programs and it's like trying to plug communities first into and create a more policy kind of apparatus, if you like, an environment into other things. And so you've got things like then, you know, Families First comes in. So, you know, social services and other kind of family sort of services concentrating around the needs of the family rather than sending them from pillar to post and trying to be a sort of like a... I mean, not a one-stop shop, but that notion that that, that those interests, parental support, um, education, welfare, if the kids aren't going to school, substance abuse might be needed, uh, support needed for family issues, that concentrates around the family. So that plugs in. Clearly, there'll be a presence, families first, in communities first areas, flying start then, getting trying to get kids in Wales up to their milestones and, and things like that. Pupil deprivation grant. All these things begin to 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 kind of emerge and the communities first which i don't think has ever again been properly recognized again suiting up by media um is the apparatus to all those then doesn't just connect to but actually yeah. builds on so communities first is down here yeah you know doing the the, the groundwork the spade work so to speak and all of those programs are then able to kind of capitalize on the quality engagement that we used to do so in terms of i mean so the people deprivation grant and uh Flying Start eradication, uh, eradicational initiative. So Flying Start is basically free nursery, well, free nursery preschool for two to three year olds in communities first areas, isn't it? Um, uh, they, they're, not, they're not. Is it coterminous? I can't remember the terms. It's not the same areas. There, there are Flying Start areas outside of communities. Ah, right, okay. Which was a bit of a postcode sort of lottery aspect to it, and it has been tidied up a lot, but um, and the people significant depri- overlap. Though. And the people deprivation grant is basically. Um, essentially a pupil premium that schools get based on the amount of children they've got in their school for it's a grant obviously um because it's called people deprivation grant for the amount of kids that are on free school meals um so basically so so how do you said that communities first is a glue so these new initiatives like um families first lift people deprivation grant 
flying start. You said community first becomes the sort of glue and the baseline. Like in a community, then how would that be organised? Would it? I mean, we we still have partnerships. We still have these partnerships, but the, the governance arrangements around them will begin to be watered down. And I suppose at this point, the fallout of the the plasmatic scandal up in Wrexham, you know, was really you know hit the fan. Explain plasmatic, sorry. So plasmatic was um, an area. It, it was funny actually. Probably something I should have said when the first Welsh index multiple deprivation came out in two thousand and one. I think two thousand two thousand one. It basically ranked all of the electoral wards in Wales, every single one. In, um, in in order, with one being the most deprived and 800 and something or whatever it was being the least deprived, um, which is not the same as saying the most affluent, okay? Yeah. And um, several domains, index, multiple deprivation, looking at things like housing, environmental measure, community safety measure, and so on. And if you love stats, women are, are amazing, they're the last you love them. I like seeing the, it's like a, it's like a, if you're into Wales and Welsh poverty, I guess, or... <laughs> It's like a league table. It's kind of, you know, yeah, yeah. It's like the Premier League. And every time, do you remember like do you remember league ladders and like shoot and match, and you could like change the league. Yeah, from, people keep yeah. moving up. Is this yeah. about football? I've noticed. So Saint, sorry, yeah, you've glossed over. I can no, tell. I Saint remember. James's in Caerphilly have gone from strength to strength, haven't they? And then Saint James, real West, real West has uh, well, lost that, their crown. What were Arsenal playing out though? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> real West won. <laughs> Saint James four. I mean, the the very first iteration of those, I think, in itself was fascinating because it went to West Real. And it was, I think, I think that kind of yeah. People always thought it was going to be the valleys. Valleys, yeah. yeah. Now it was Pen of Wine, the top of the kind of valley, but then it went to Plasmadoc. So again, it's just like, hang on a minute. Oh, I wow. thought poverty was just valleys, and, and and because that's where something has always got to be done, and, and so yeah. on. What do you start knowing more about poverty and how poverty affects, or how it's manifested? Actually, is a better way of putting it in these different geographies in a spatial context, notwithstanding the community mm. of interest and ethnicity and gender and other things aggravating it. Um, or being a contributing factor. So so Plasmatic was one of the most deprived parts of Wales. If you know it, it's kind of, I suppose, the best way of putting it, it's like between Wrexham Town and Llangollen. And it's um, uh, local authority housing, still is. They rejected stock transfer in, in Wrexham. And it's very isolated. And uh, there was a partnership there, and it was doing the stuff that I've been talking about, that I was doing in, in my areas. It's in Merthyr Tidville, in the Gwent Valleys, and, and, and everyone else was doing. Um, but the coordinator, I was a coordinator at the time, was lining her and her family's own pocket with the money. And so the governance arrangements weren't clearly, and the financial audit arrangements clearly weren't robust enough to weed that out. But I suppose, you know, criminal endeavour, if you go in to break the law and you're determined to do it, then, you know, you, you're going to do it. What happened to her? She go down. She went to jail, yeah. And um, that, that episode caused, you know, cast a, a, quite a long and dark shadow. I know mean, it still gets mentioned now. I mean, yeah. it still gets mentioned now. And I do fundamentally wonder, and I honestly don't know whether this is the case, and I don't mean necessarily individually within Welsh Government, the civil servants or the politicians even, but institutionally, whether that eroded trust in giving communities more of a say, giving communities yeah. control over budgets. So we talk about participatory budgeting and things like that, holding grants, all that sort of stuff, whether there was an erosion of trust, they went, oh, hang on a minute. I suppose you would argue... I don't know. You give a ton of grants out to the private sector. Some of those are going to go bad and toxic. Yeah, So I think there was a there was a a very conscious. I think uh, you know if you think like a pendulum swing away then from that kind of community voice, that community role. I think you can kind of see that. And I'm not saying it was caused quite kind of explicitly by Plasmatic, but it was a part of that sort of 
post post sort of fallout, um, different governance arrangements came in. And, you know, to the extent now, frankly, communities don't really have much of a voice anymore, I would argue. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm happy to be challenged by that and there would be exceptions to that, clearly. Um, but it's not within the, the the fabric of the program in the same way it was in those early days. How does it get, I mean, how does the community voice start to get kicked out like or, or, or marginalised during this uh, period? Do three thirds principle, which I mentioned earlier. Basically, you don't need to work to that anymore. All right. Okay. Um, so, so it's actually formally done away with. Not formally, but it was you know don't don't work to it to 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 such an extent. Don't work to it so rigidly. You know, alter your governance arrangements. So, for example, then we move to clusters. So we have lots of little areas. Mm. We move to fewer bigger areas, and there was no requirement of a board. There was no requirement of a partnership. There was no requirement of that three thirds to cover that cluster. Now, some areas set one up because I said that culture of of um, of committees. Is, yeah. is, is still strong. Um, some of the old partnerships remained, um, may have struggled to find focus and purpose, um, but by and large, that, that sort of notion of, of communities having a say in dictating what is done has very, very consciously, and I, you know, I don't mind who kind of wants to slap my wrist tomorrow when I'm back in work for, for saying this, has been diluted, has been dumbed down. And you know, I think that's a that's a really kind of backward step for the program. Now, whatever replaces the program in whatever configuration, and it's very clear there will not be a communities first next or a communities next or a communities first two point not will be a program has to be bold enough to go. Communities know by and large what they need to achieve. Yeah, they are the ones who are accountable locally. They're the ones who've lived there. They've got the local knowledge, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, there has to be a, 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 a re-embracement. That's not a word, is it? Yeah. Let's yeah, just cool. yeah, we, don't like we don't know. Our listeners don't know. We're making yeah. <laughs> They need to re-embrace. We need to re-embrace that. Yeah. And and, and I'm, I'm hoping that that will happen. And I think Welsh Government recognise they need, they're talking about empowerment, empowered communities maybe. I think they recognise that you just can't keep the state providing things because the state's budget is being absolutely walloped. Yeah. You know? And its capacity to act is changing as well. Um, so yeah, so, so, so communities have to have more of a voice. So, all right, so we're moving we're moving on now to so I guess you know contemporary you know, the the last iteration of communities first, um, and and so the current one. Yeah, the current one basically. So you said that's from essentially 2013 2017. Um, you said it's moved basically from in terms of organisation, it's moved from 140 smaller units to 50 larger clusters. Um, some of these clusters are as large as you know. 30,000 residents and within the clusters you said basically the there's no longer this sort of community committee board or things like that um, but one of the and you said there's continuing there's, there's performance frameworks um, there's more focus on outputs and things like that but one of the most interesting things I guess and is something you said that came in more during the the last um, or the, the, the second phase and it's something that I, I you know, raised earlier is the focus on its work. The emphasis is now on employability and the value of work, basically. Um, work as being the the way of solving everything uh, in these areas. So what's, I mean, what's been, can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, so we had an increased focus on employability, quote unquote, probably towards the end of the second phase, you know, sort of, you know as, as clusters are beginning to, to, to take shape. Um, we've done away with environmental work, crime and community safety work. So police don't need to come to any meetings anymore because there's clearly no measures in the programme. Very, very few around 
you know, tackling any social behaviour or whatever that All might right. be. So, so, because, so because those measures have been removed, like, you don't actually have to... Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, although one of the performance indicators for the, the a population level kind of performance indicator was the number of, of offenders in, a, in an area. Um, and people's offending history is a factor in their later experiences of poverty. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that's kind of fine. But what are we doing? We're kind of like into what, you know, um, is it Vanilla Sky or Tom Cruise? Thing? We're trying to preempt who's going to commit these crimes. No, oh, minority report. Minority report. Vanilla Sky, is there... Um, when he has a weird car crash and he's... Yeah. Uh, We're doing movies again, but yeah. 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 Um, I really love communist espionage <laughs> undertone to it that I didn't pick up on. My minority report is... It's a bit too deep for you, Russell. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, like I said, rewards, I don't, I don't rewards, do political uh, theory. the watching. Yeah, yeah. He's trying to just predict predict crimes against the state isn't he before they happen in yeah. minority comrade report yeah yeah, yeah. And, and so we have these population indicators and and, and they <coughs> feel a little bit clunky um uh, low birth weight is another one i mean so we worried we were all going to go around and every time you saw like a you know pregnant mother you're going to like whack the fag out of her mouth or something i mean it's not a bad idea no but these things take time to change and I think yeah. this is the point and community has got this at the start it was going to take time yeah um, but suddenly we've got these measures that we're having to demonstrate progress towards now on a quarterly basis on an annual basis as if these things yeah why haven't you solved poverty yeah 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 so kind of you know hitting the target missing the point as the cliche goes um, but but work work is beginning to be amplified. It's becoming to be that first among equal. Yeah. But for some people, their their experiences of poverty is shaped because they are disabled. It is shaped because they have chronic mental health issues. It's shaped because they've just arrived in the country and they don't speak English, you know, or whatever it might be. So the the the, the aggravation aspect of, of 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 poverty we were really quite aware of now, but it's all about work. And so this first tackling poverty action plan, I think there were two maybe visions of it, starts to predicate, you know, tackling poverty then, as it, as it says, being based on, on work and the primacy of work. Get people into work. What sort of work? Well, work you know, can work. And what work? Like, where is it? Exactly. And to remove the barriers of work. As if the barriers, <laughs> we can get the barriers, we can That's get you around problem, yeah. and over these barriers and we can navigate those, then, then, then you know, it's all this bountiful kind of, well, this is what's intriguing. I mean, these are de-industrial... I mean, if you're not from Wales, these are de-industrialised areas where most of the time they have appalling transport infrastructure, very poor transport links. Um, you know, you'd think they're in the middle of nowhere and there's frankly no... There is no work in the area. So this relentless focus on employability, is it going hand in hand with... You know, are they, are they building... Job, I mean, are their jobs coming locally? I mean... But we weren't doing, like, job recreation stuff. You know, we weren't really liaising with the private sector much. Um, I think there was some stuff around entry-level work, uh, entry-level, sorry, jobs within the public sector, for instance, and, 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 and making sure that people, you know, if, uh, mm. you know, porters in hospitals, those sort of things. But then also if <clears throat> Tesco's is coming to, you know, ring-fence recruitment and things like that. We, you know, we were doing some of those. So we're kind of on the margins at the time of that program. Um, some great work up, for example, in Blindfastinog, when they start going, actually, yeah. all this tourism stuff in these mountains, our mountains, which we know for like the back of our hands, is being run by people outside of, yeah. of Blind, outside of Wales, perhaps. Oh, 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 absolutely. So actually, bugger it, we're going to just start our own tourism businesses. And I, you know, I saw Kerry and Selwyn from that area today. And, you know, they, they're, they're now employing something like, this is a very, very niche in-joke, 
the number goes up day by day to speak to Kerry, but they're, you know, they're probably about 170, 160, 160, 170 people in various roles, you know, full-time, part-time, sessional work, um, across a suite of social enterprises. The Blanc Festinio has only got a population of about 4,500. That's a decent percentage yeah. by locally owned, community owned, not-for-profit um, businesses. Now, those businesses, and they are businesses, just because the social world is in it, they're still businesses. They have to generate surplus. They still have to be able to pay you. They're not, you know, they're not paying you fresh air, you know. Um, they, they, they have a stake in that town and that, and that, and that broader sort of region of Northwest Wales. Um, what Clezant people were talking about at this conference and, and friends of the podcast, like Sir Mark and Kerry from, from IndieCube, they were there. Um, you have to have anchor organizations, anchor businesses and, and root, you know, private interests locally. Um, is that kind of related to what like Mark Lang talks about? Found, yeah, Mark, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the, the foundation economy stuff. You know, at the minute, you know, we're all just being taken for, for fools and taken for a ride, but you know, just doling out the grand culture, you yeah. know? Um, and it's community-owned businesses that are perhaps a little bit drunk on some of that grand culture as well. Don't get me wrong. And, and certainly the retail industry is. And I was speaking to someone today who's a town centre manager, and he was for a local Valley's local authority, and he was sort of saying how, you know, even now, somebody wants to open up a business in Blackwood, Bargoy, Ponty, or whatever, my first question is, is, are there any grounds? Mm. You know, we're, we're, we're kind of intoxicated mm. by it. And that culture's got to change, not least because there's, there's not that many, much money left, yeah? We're looking so, for a grant, by the way. Pardon? We're looking for a grant. Yeah, we are as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, well, and if it was dangled in front of you, you take it, you know? Sure, and, yeah. and, and, you know, it's like, you know, footballers' wages. Oh, it's obscene. I don't pay it to them then. Yeah. If you offer it to them, they're going to take it. We all would. Um, so, I suppose the point I'm trying to make is that you need to think about what, type of work and I think we might have lost sight a little bit of that and I think we have then been wrong footed and I mean we kind of royally now in Wales is because inward poverty figures are going up yeah. so people are working full time something like JRF uh, Joseph Roundtree Foundation who do some terrific work and really get the devolution angle they recognise that things are maybe being done in a different policy context here they get the geography as well um, although based in Leeds I think um, or maybe York they talk about how you know, work is important, but it has to be wrapped around, or has to be wrapped by lots of other things, looking at health and well-being, childcare, transport infrastructure, you know, and so on. Um, Community First was never going to build a new train line, mm. you know, clearly not. But we might have informed, as I remember working on, when the Ebu Valley line went in, it might inform and help how communities engage with that and how they articulate where they want the stations, what facilities they want at the stations and things like that, if they're then going to make use of that to get to Newport for work. And don't get me wrong, I, I'm, it'd be great if they can just stay in Crumlin and Ebervale and Abertillery and Llanillith for the work, yeah? Yeah. Rather than all just the notion that everyone's just going to trek down to Newport and Cardiff and Bridgend and Swansea. For the the abundance of jobs. Yeah, yeah. Where are the economically inactive in Cardiff going to go then? Yeah. You know, which is something that the foundation have articulated brilliantly over the years and how moribund that, that, that kind of, thi- even calling it a theory is probably, you know, giving it too much credit. The likes of Ian Duncan Smith, all these people from Merth are just going to track down to Cardiff. So, you know, we've, um, you know, we recognise the work is important, but I don't think necessarily it on its own is going to solve these problems. And the work poverty figures would suggest that. But JRF themselves recognise the value of work. So this is not about kind of going, oh, no, work doesn't matter in these kind of hippie ideals or anything like that. It does matter. You know, it gives people structure, it gives people purpose, it gives people money in their pockets. You know, it creates social capital. But social capital in, in Merthyr Tidwell is not going to be created if everyone is trekking down to, 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 to Cardiff to work. 
not least because the trains are crap. They never get there on time anyway. They get home at 10 o'clock at night. You know, they're too, too late to pick the kids up from, you know, we need to reconfigure how we think of work. And you've had other contributors kind of articulate this far better. So Mark, for instance, or Calvin, you know, um, and that's what was being talked of today. But for me, at the heart of that has to be, if you're going to engage communities and you're going to energize them to say, this is the type of work I want. This is how I want to get to work. You have to have community development that underpins that and animates them and, and facilitates those discussions and helps them boost their confidence and to articulate that voice. Um, otherwise, it'll just be the same old decision-making processes and channels that arguably are part of the, the problem. But what is happening now? So what's replacing community? I mean, communities first. Um, I mean, it's said it'll go by the end of March next year. Legacy fund has been allocated. And it's going to be spent on certain things locally. I mean, that's all being played out. So there's a lot, you know. So my day job is is facilitating some of those discussions and consultations about what priorities are that legacy money is going to be spent on. But you know, it'll be different things in different areas, which is fine. You know, to recognise the, the the diversity and the plurality out there. Um, but it's still kind of watch this space, I suppose. But they've they've, no, they've they've come up with this notion of three E's: employment, early years, and empowerment. I would question, as would a number of other people in the program, that you know the the fourth E is economy. You know, that has to under underwrite a lot of that, uh, or underpin a lot of it. Sorry. Um, so you know, you can do all the empowering activity you like, like I said, in Sandfield, but if Port Talbot goes, uh, <laughs> Steelworks goes, yep, what those three E's are going to account for very very little. Um, and frankly, let's be honest, if the Steelworks goes, it's not just Sandfield; it's going to be a problem. You know, it's the Avon Valley is. Baglin is Margam is, you know, it's a huge area, you know, and we know that because we've been living with deindustrialization for decades now. Um, so it remains to be seen, you know, and they've said there's not going to be a program to replace communities first. So begs the question, well, what is going to replace it? I don't think you can kind of hang this on, you know, cultural change within the public sector or a new procurement sort of culture that, you know, seeks to, to stop the leakiness of the public purse in, in Wales. Do you think, um, do you think they get it like the government? Do you think they, I think they do actually. Honestly, I genuinely think they do. I mean, were you talking about the civil servants or the no? Yeah, the, the government civil servants. I mean, I mean, we always. Say, I mean, I always say. I mean, I'm. I never cease to be amazed at sort of like the, the timidity and of, well, just your general uselessness of the Welsh government. Given that you know, we have people in the podcast and we speak to people every day that that know that these sort of the, the economic paradigm that the Welsh government's pursuing, isn't working. Um, but I think they know it as well. And I'm sensing a change from a community focus as to, as I, I think there is a change at that level, but it's how you, I suppose it's how you kind of join these things up. And Wellbeing of Future Generations Act is a game changer, potentially. You know, it requires, you know, public bodies, it puts a duty on them to engage and it has to be done effectively. But I would argue that you've got to go, you've got to go further than that. You've got to create, and again, the conference today was talking about it. You've got to create new forms of ownership, you know, communal ownership, um, cooperatives, you know, all those sorts of things. Um, and not just of park facilities or the pavilion or the changing rooms. It's about, I don't know, medical facilities. It's, it's, um, it's certainly about community assets, absolutely. But it's about cooperative forms of housing then, for instance. You know, all of that stuff has got to be designed in. And my worry is you talk about Swansea Bay City Region, Cardiff City Region, and is it North Wales Economic Ambition Board or whatever. Um, seven side. Seven side, yeah. Okay, here's another one. That narrative doesn't seem to be changing. You know, it's, it's still, still massive, about... huge. Uh, but it's 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 well, it is quick. It is is quick fixes, isn't it? Even though yeah. it's on a massive on a massive massive industrial scale, like city regions, uh, outmoded sort of economic paradigms. 
And so Communities First then is only ever seen as a bolt-on or some sort of way of just ameliorating yeah. some of those you know, more pernicious aspects or as a sock to those communities because actually there's no, they're not included in the growth. They're not going to derive any benefit in you know Penegraig or Penerenglin at the top of the top of the Ronde de Vaud, um, or in Kaya Park or Plasmatic, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so we're going to have to put something else instead that, that's some sort of sop. Um, I'm not sure that narrative is, is is necessarily changing, but there's plenty of people who are demanding that it changes. There were tons of them in the in the in the, in the conference today, but there were people who were talking about those challenging those orthodoxies. There's a danger that we're all kind of nodding to each other and agreeing with each other. We all kind of get it. Well, who are the people maintaining and propping up those orthodoxies who weren't in the room who are just going to continue doing the same old, same old? And I think that's the, that's the difficulty. Well, this is it. I mean, you have like Dave Adamson, Mark Lang, and you know, Calvin, you know, Mark Teggett, things like that. People who you know, have sort of started coming up with you know, radical solutions and things like that. Mm. And, and, and these radical solutions are out there. They're in academia. You know, they're, and they're not, I wouldn't even say that they're, they're niche solutions anymore things like you know yeah you know, community like allotments and you mm. know, things like degrowth and stuff like that but they just don't seem to have filtered into the welsh public conscious the welsh government which um, values communities were, were doing years ago I and mean, i've just not long read it. it's a brilliant book um uh, uh oh you could tell right it's flame and flame and slag now by rod berry and it's based on loosely post Aberfan and it's a valleys community and he was a Ronda boy and it's kind of Gerber Blancombe top of the Ronda Val. And it's brilliant. And the, the the social fabric, right? It's really rich. It's really rich. But he's capturing it as the coal is just beginning to get too difficult and costly to mine. Yeah. And the inefficiencies in the public owned sort of, you know, coal industry are are, are really quite clear and, and, and all this sort of stuff. And it's 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 scabrous and it's 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 written as an invective on occasions and it's absolutely brilliant um but he talks about this rich social fabrics we talk about empowered communities well there's this argument that actually the state has disempowered them has created these kind of you know paternalistic structures where communities just go council do this you know clinics do that health boards do that you know actually a lot of this stuff was being delivered by local employers yeah communities themselves because they were collectivizing and I think in terms of some of those, this might sound, this is going back to kind of like naive community development ideals and idealism. But, you know, the Chartists weren't happy, so they bloody well did it themselves. You know? Just to be clear, you're advocating we march on Newport and uh, shoot. Yeah, and uh, Amble. Yeah. Uh, as our community uh, first is heading in the fourth phase, is yeah, just uh, yeah. um, a revolt. Okay, it's going to go out in a kind of reservoir <laughs> dog style <laughs> shootout at the end. Um, I don't know, maybe I am. I don't know. I mean, I... I all of those social advances and just causes, many of which we take for absolute granted now, were brought about through violence, collective action, <laughs> violence, but people representing, articulating their own voices, and maybe through certain channels. Um, and don't get me wrong, some of those channels were very paternalistic in the sense it was just men, and there was you know, women weren't part of this, and those sort of things. I'm not saying that we go back, mm. it wasn't all brilliant in the old days, yeah? You absolutely get that. And you know, cancer rates are probably through the roof, and you know, all the rest of it, and infant mortality, and all the rest of those sorts of things. Which is not; it was all brilliant in the old days. But the 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 forces that brought about those changes, we can we can bring those back about. I think you can create those those environments. It's changing a culture, isn't it? Uh, starting from the bottom up. Um, okay, what well, Russell's well, I we will all know that you know the only way, the only answer is anarchism, isn't it? And I'm just um, and uh, you know. <laughs> Armed interaction. Yeah, armed interaction. All right. So when are we going to Newport? 
tonight. Yeah. We've okay. In March tonight. So we've come to, we've we've come to the end. Thank you all very much for listening, and thanks so much, Russell, for you know giving us such a thorough uh, summary of the work at Communities First. What it does, it's really helped uh, explain it you know, to me. Certainly, it's always seemed something that's a bit you know we didn't really know what know what it did, and as you said, it's, it get, has been sort of slated in the past, but um, that's been really really helpful and use, useful. Um, so, would you like to give any shout outs? This is the stressful bit, isn't it? This is the hard bit. bit. And it's one of the only few, I've written two words down here, one of them shout outs to remember. Um, yeah, everybody in, everybody who, who's in the workforce now, what's left of us, it does feel like we're all kind of running for the life rafts. And I'm worried I'll, I'll be the, I'll be going down with this good ship, communities first. Um, Captain, like. Captain, yeah, yeah. Um, everyone has worked on it because a lot of people have done some really good stuff. You, you, if you work on this and you stay, you know, you, you, you don't really, Plenty of people who are no good at it have worked on this program, don't get me wrong. But if you did stick it out for a while, it's because your value's driven and you want to change things, your heart is in the right place. And um, and it's a shout out to all of them because it has had a, a kick in and a slate in. Um, so yeah, shout out to um, Psychic Danny who works with me on it and he's going to make a great community event worker somewhere, someday. Um, so he's psychic or sidekick? Sidekick. Oh, right. uh, oh, he's both though, isn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. Could possibly. Um, check out his band Safari Gold. Um, you want me to get that plug in? I like him. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, are there any other, what do other people do for shout outs? I forget now. Well, it's not like mum and dad and it's certainly not Harvey. No. no. All right. No. Okay, shout out to me. I can't think of anyone this week um, apart from the family. Um, yeah, it's my Manson family. family. It's my family. Oh. My amazing family. Um, and also, I guess, I mean, I, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but um, the best ever hardcore band uh, are Have Heart, and they disbanded, and I never saw them, I was devastated. But they basically reformed under a different name called Free, and they're just incredible, so just listen to that album. Um, or they've just dropped, like, had, they've got two EPs now, but listen to them, so those are my shout-outs. Um, well, shout-outs to me. New Mario game coming out. <laughs> so predictably niche and... Yeah, it's underground. I share share a birthday with Nintendo. So, yeah. um, well, it's Inception. Yeah, it's the same day as my birthday. So. The Mario theory that Mario is based on Stalin. That's the yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, it's, because it, same moustache. Um, you know, he he wears red. Doesn't he wear red? Yeah, red um, and blue. He he kills King Cooper, who is an actual king. So, like, it's an uh, anti-royalist okay. sort of... Uh, well, uh, is it, though? Because he saves Princess Peach. Oh, I don't know. Maybe he's... And I, I guess you could say, like, you know, he's he's based on a plumber who is perhaps, like, the stark image of a proletariat. Oh, um... But she I, can't help being a princess. Well, she can, can she? Yeah, if you're born into yeah. that. Well, actually, no. Peter Kropotkin was a prince. Uh, and That's he's like, true. no, I'll... Uh, That's true. I'll disown it. Tony Ben's dad had, you know, had titles and Viscount. and wanted to get rid of them. So sometimes you can't help the circumstances in which you're born. Mm. Okay, that about wraps us up for this week. Yep. Um, so thanks very much for listening, and tune in next time. All right, ciao. Bye. Oh, get a job? Yeah. Just get a job? Why don't I strap on my job helmet and squeeze down into a job cannon and fire off at the job land where jobs grow on jobbies?